It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Tuesday, August 8th, 2023. I'm Brooke Schaefer with Raven News. A policy change may be coming for how the cruise passenger head tax is administered in Sitka. The commercial passenger vessel excise tax, also known as the CPV, is a head tax collected by the state and distributed to port cities. When the Sitka Assembly meets tonight, it will consider a proposal to reinstitute a public proposal process for how those funds are spent. CPV funds are regulated and must be spent on infrastructure or services that benefit marine passenger transportation. According to a memo from City Administrator John Leach, right now the city's CPV excise tax fund balance is just over $2 million. If the ordinance passes, each March the Assembly could call for public proposals to spend the funds. Those proposals would be reviewed by the Assembly in the fall. In other business, the Assembly will consider leasing a 10,000-square-foot lot on the Harbor Mountain Bypass Road to Vertical Bridge Development, LLC. The company plans to build a cell tower there for its anchor tenant, Verizon Wireless. The Sitka Assembly meets at 6 p.m. tonight. Raven News will broadcast the meeting live following Alaska News Nightly. A troller is estimated to have sustained around $100,000 in damage after it caught fire in Sitka's Eliasson Harbor on Sunday afternoon. In a separate incident, another fishing boat near Yakutat burned to the waterline over the weekend. Around 3 p.m. on Sunday, the Sitka Fire Department responded to reports that the 40-foot fishing vessel Hunter Bay was burning in its slip in Eliasson Harbor. Department engineer Craig Hackett told KCAW that around 10 firefighters responded and used a hydro pump to extinguish the blaze within 20 minutes. No one was aboard the boat when it caught fire and no injuries were reported. Only the Hunter Bay's interior was damaged. Hackett says the department believes the fire was electrical in origin. In Yakutat over the weekend, firefighters spent the better part of a day trying to extinguish a blaze aboard a fishing vessel burning in a nearby bay. Shortly before 10 a.m. Sunday, the Yakutat Public Safety Office received word that the longliner Morgan was burning near Monty Bay. Police Chief John Waldron told KCAW that it took the fire department around 20 minutes to travel to the scene by boat. Around 20 firefighters and volunteers responded, fighting the blaze with extinguishers and portable pumps from three Three different boats. Waldron said they believe the cause was an electrical fire that started in the engine room. All crew members evacuated the boat safely and no injuries were reported. Waldron said that after two hours battling the blaze, firefighters towed the Morgan to Yakutat and had it out of the water by 5 p.m. He said he was especially thankful to all of the boaters who responded to aid the firefighters. Despite their efforts, the Morgan was a total loss. The Cake Dog Salmon Festival returned last weekend, and nearly 300 locals turned out to celebrate. But, as KFSK's Thomas Copeland reports, the event felt bittersweet as younger residents step into the shoes of a generation of cake elders. As you approach Cake's cold storage facility, you'll hear Kendall Jackson pretty quickly. Come and get your raffle tickets! And there's a bunch of prizes up for grabs. Camping chairs, $50 Costco gift cards, fishing supplies, 32-inch smart TVs, there's two of those, and also two seaplanes round-trip tickets. What's what's it all going towards? What's the end cause? The Cake Tribal Heritage Foundation. We help out with people that are going on medical travel. And medical travel is a big concern in cake these days. Ferry and marine line services have become less frequent. Seaplane prices have shot up, and a generation of cake elders are only getting older. 
Kelly Jackson is the festival organiser. She's nearly 30 and moved back here a few years ago and she's attended her fair share of funerals since coming home. Those are the ones that I wanted to keep it alive for. We almost had to cancel this year because nobody took the job on, so I just decided to take it on, just in honor of all of them. And all the times that I felt defeated and didn't know if it was going to come together, those faces and their smiles are what pushed me. It's also what pushed Kelly to bring the festival back to Cake's cold storage facility. This event was originally a celebration for the workers once they had processed a million chum. But since the facility shuttered a decade ago, the festival hasn't been back here until now. I wanted to bring the tradition back to its roots and where it originally came from. Outside the empty warehouse, there are stalls with lemonade, deep-fried halibut, jewellery and salmon eggs. The most popular? A bright blue stall named Angie Cadake's Shack, in honour of an elder who passed this year. Inside, Nikki Jackson is swamped with kids. One demands some gumballs. We already sold out of those. You've already sold out? Yes. It's only 12.30. <laughs> yeah. By the time the afternoon races begin, the kids are pumped full of sugar. First up, a battle between the village's one-year-old girls. Go, go. Okay, runner one and two are off. Number two is taking a clear run for the line. She's nearly across. Oh, and she stops. She stopped three quarters and turned around. She's running the other way. Oh, runner one is taking a move of it now. Runner one might make it. She's about to cross the line. Oh, and she stopped. Oh, and it was a draw. After all that, the children's stomachs are rumbling again. Luckily, Cake is pretty serious about its eating competitions too. Kendall Jackson handles the legal paperwork. 16 and under, you need a waiver for water events, pie eating contest and hot dog eating contest. With all the pie and hot dogs gobbled up, one of just a handful of ferry arrivals this month has landed. Cake's Cake Kwan dancers welcome the visitors as they arrive in. A group of about 20 performed two songs, announced by elder Ellie Jackson. The first song we did was from the Raven Clan, which is called Saige. It's a love song. And the second, the Eagle song, was the Killer Whale Migration song called Yaya Nguyen. Watching the dancers from a nearby car is Ruth Demert, one of Cake's few remaining fluent Tlingit speakers. She turns 86 this year. Oh, we've lost quite a few elders the past three years. So many that, you know, it's hard to speak the language anymore because there's so many of them gone. What would your message be to the next generation of folks in this town? Just keep it up. Keep our language strong. Don't give up. We wish them luck. <laughs> Watching the children leap into the water as the sun goes down, festival organiser Kelly Jackson has some company, one of Cake's newest residents. This is my son Casanova. He's going to be turning two in September. I don't know if you notice while you're here, Thomas, but everybody waves. And my little boy was seven months here, and he got down that cake wave. See you wave. Can you wave for me, Casanova? Say bye. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's bye from Casanova and it's bye from me. In Cake, I'm Thomas Copeland. Juno's glacial outburst floods, also known as Yokolops, have happened every year since 2011. But this year was the worst by far. The Mendenhall River swelled on Saturday evening. It eroded large sections of the riverbank, undermining some homes and sending at least one into the river. City officials issued a local emergency on Sunday morning, but it's not yet clear how many residents have been displaced. KTOO's Anna Canny has the story. John and Christine Lovering stand on the bank of Mendenhall River. It's a dry, sunny Saturday, 
but the water below is raging. Um, it's about two and a half times wider than it's ever been that I've seen. Um, I, it's absolutely still at flood stage right now. The river's west bank is torn up and steep. And on the east bank, where the Loverings are standing, one corner of their six-unit condominium building hangs precariously over a steep drop-off. The neighboring building is even worse, dangling in midair. Its foundation was swept away. Lovering points to a second-story balcony. It's full of brightly colored potted flowers. When the water started rising on Saturday, he was watching from there. He says he wasn't worried at first, but by late Saturday evening, the river had swollen drastically. Went out and came back three hours later and everyone was in the yard watching and that was kind of, all right, this is getting real. Juno's glacial outburst floods have happened every year since 2011, but this year was the worst by far. The Mendenhall River eroded the bank in a matter of hours and undermined some buildings, like these condos on Riverside Drive. It also sent at least one home upstream into the river. The city declared a local emergency on Sunday. It's not yet clear how many homes were destroyed or how many people have been displaced. Fortunately, no one was hurt, but residents like the Loverings say they were caught off guard. When John saw a large cluster of trees upstream come down, he started packing and he called his wife. I called her and said, what, what stuff should I grab? And he's normally like calm, cool, collected John, and he was <laughs> sounding a little bit panicked, so I, I knew that things were happening fast. The city issued emergency evacuations to Marion Drive on Saturday evening, but it's not clear how many people left their homes. National Weather Service meteorologist Nicole Farron said that this year's crest of nearly 15 feet was far beyond anything Juno has seen before. There's no comparison. We're two and a half feet over our record. That record was set in 2016. Just before midnight on Saturday, flood water had started to go down. Power was restored to most neighborhoods shortly after. But residents are left reeling. Bill Ballard lives in a condominium that's further back from the bank. He spent much of his Saturday afternoon watching the rising, debris-filled waters from a deck chair on the river's edge. Panic didn't set in until that house upstream collapsed. We saw a couple of decks float by. We saw deck chairs and stuff floating by. And then we started seeing structural timber. And then it was like, oh my God, that's from houses upstream. By Sunday morning, Beller's deck chair was propping up caution tape on the river's edge. More tape was wrapped around the entrances of the two condemned buildings. Ballard's daughter lived in the same building as the Loverings. As night fell on Saturday, he helped her pack up the essentials. We just got it out before the fire department put the tape in because you can't, you can't get in once they put the tape in. She's going to lose a lot of stuff. Both the Loverings and Ballard's daughter are staying with family for now. They don't know if or when they'll be able to recover their belongings. In Juneau, I'm Anna Canny. I'm Brooke Schaefer, and this has been Raven News.